This is the Build Wealth Canada podcast, episode number 65. Welcome to the Build Wealth Canada podcast, where it's all about becoming debt-free, accelerating your wealth, and taking control of your money. Now, here's your host, Cornell Schreiber. Hey, it's Cornell. Welcome to the Build Wealth Canada show. I hope you're staying safe and healthy out there. There's been a lot of new programs and initiatives put in place by the Canadian government due to COVID-19 to help you financially. And so in this episode, I'm going to take you through what's out there so that you can make sure you don't miss out on some free money or benefits that can really help you during this difficult time. So I've actually gone through everything that I could get my hands on over at the Canada Revenue Agency site. So this is all coming right from the source, all this information in this episode. And really, this episode is here to save you a lot of time by helping you quickly learn what's out there, whether you're eligible or not, what you're eligible for, and help you make an efficient decision on which benefits to apply for and which ones to make sure that you actually receive. And then the second part of this episode is going to focus on mortgages and the drastic changes in the interest rates that we've seen lately, which can, of course, heavily impact mortgage payments and your decisions around mortgages, and also what's happening right now as far as the real estate market is concerned. And if you can take advantage of these lower interest rates by renewing your mortgage, and we're going to cover the subject of deferring your mortgage payments as well. If, for example, you've lost your job and fear that you know you may not be able to pay your mortgage while we are all in lockdown due to COVID-19. So as you may know, we have a resident mortgage expert on the show, and he's going to be covering the mortgage and real estate uh, questions and that side of things. And I'm going to be covering the government benefits side of things. So the the expert that we have on the show is Sean Cooper. He's the best-selling author of the book, Burn Your Mortgage. You might have heard him on other episodes of the show here before. You might have also seen him on TV. He's been on CBC News, Global News, CTV News, and much, much more. He bought his first house when he was only 27 in Toronto and paid off his mortgage in just three years by age 30. And these days, he's helping others burn their mortgages as an independent mortgage broker. So uh, that's definitely going to be Sean covering the real estate portion, the mortgage portion of the episode that we're going to have a bit later. And Sean has offered to do free consultations for Build Wealth Canada listeners. So if you do have a mortgage-related question, are looking to get one or potentially renew to take advantage of the lower interest rates, then you can have a private one-on-one call with him for free and also get his research on the lowest interest rate mortgages currently available in Canada. It's part of his job to stay up to date on these things. So he's always doing research on finding the lowest rates through all the different lenders out there. So he doesn't just work with one lender. He works with basically you know as many as he can, as many as you want, to find the ones that have the lowest possible rates. So if you do want to check out the latest rates or get your questions answered privately, or if you're not sure about something, you know maybe mortgage real estate related, um, you can get a free one-on-one call with him over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. So that's buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean, just S-E-A-N. All right. And as a bonus, when you go through that link, I'll also email you the mortgage checklist, which is a good guide on the top things to look for and consider when choosing a mortgage. All right, so before we jump into the benefits piece and then after that, the mortgage piece, we've had a huge drop in interest rates. So it's been interesting to see what all the different banks are doing with their high interest savings accounts. They've all been cutting their rates. So it's interesting to see after this big shakeup, which are the leaders in giving you the highest interest rate on your savings accounts. 
I personally use EQ Bank as my primary bank. So at the time of this recording, EQ gives you 2% on your savings account. And when I researched the high interest savings accounts at the four big banks as of April 16th, 2020, uh, TD is currently at 0% and only 0.05% if your balance is over $5,000. So EQ is actually 40 times higher than TD right now. And there are no minimum balances that you have to keep with EQ to get that higher rate. RBC is also up 0.05% like TD. Scotia is at 0.15% and BMO is at up to 0.7% if you follow all the rules and conditions. So even the best case scenario with BMO, if you follow all the rules and you do all these things you need to do to get that higher rate, you're still earning more than double the interest rate with EQ. So I'm super happy to keep endorsing EQ as I've used them for years. They continue to have easily one of the highest interest rates in Canada. Plus they're free and they have unlimited free Interact e-transfers, which I find super convenient for sending anybody money at no charge. They're a big supporter of the show. So if you are going to sign up for free with them, please use a special link so that it actually helps support the show. If you don't use that link, it doesn't support the show at all. So please sign up through that link if you are going to do it. It's over at Build Wealth Canada dot ca slash eq that's buildwealthcanada.ca slash the letter e and the letter q it's a huge help uh, it helps keeps the show and almost everything on the build wealth canada site totally free and if you uh, don't use that link i don't get any support for the show at all so so like i said if you are going to do it uh please do that link and i i really appreciate your help okay uh, and when you sign up with them through that link it, and it has to be through that link just send me any confirmation that you get from them after opening up their free account to get my free guide on the top etfs in canada so these are the top etfs that i personally use so i built a whole in-depth guide on which ETFs I personally buy, why I chose those particular ETFs, and I've updated for 2020. So, you know, it's all very useful for a few information. And like I said, it's what I personally use and what I have basically almost our entire net worth tied up in. So to get that guide, just open up the free account over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ and then send me any confirmation email that you get from EQ after opening the account to bonus at buildwealthcanada.ca. So that's bonus at buildwealthcanada.ca. And when you do that, I'll email you the full in-depth guide. And lastly, before we start, a big shout out to our sponsor, Borrowwell. Since mortgages and lines of credit are much cheaper now due to the interest rate drops, lots of people are going to be jumping in to take advantage of these lower mortgage and lending rates in the coming months. But to ensure that you actually get the lowest rate possible, your credit has to actually be good. So the tool that I personally use to monitor my credit score for free and to make sure that there are no issues, like if someone gained unauthorized access to my account and is now destroying my credit score, that's over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash score. So just S-C-O-R-E. And you can go there to get your credit score and full credit report for free. And you can log in there too anytime once you have an account to check how your credit score is doing. So a big thanks to Borowell for sponsoring the episode and for making that tool available for free to everyone. Uh, Thank you for going through those links as well as it helps keep almost everything on the show free as well. And here is a quick message from Borowell, this episode's sponsor. Do you know your credit score? We all know that checking your credit score can be nerve-wracking, and it's an important indicator of your overall credit health. And this is precisely why checking your credit score is so important. So your credit score might be the deciding factor in whether you'll be approved for a personal loan, a car loan, or a mortgage. And having a good credit score will make it easier to do all those things. And knowing your credit score is the first step to understanding and improving it. So did you know that you can get your Equifax credit score for free from borrow? Well, in under three minutes, you'll be able to access your credit score 
and full credit report, and it's absolutely free. So Borwell is a 100% Canadian company with a single goal in mind to help Canadians make great decisions about credit. You can definitely check out your score for free, like I said, and get your full credit report for free. Uh, it's really good. I, I really like it just to check every once in a while, just to make sure my credit score is either flat or improving and make sure that nothing has happened without my knowledge that would cause it to go down. Obviously, if you have a mortgage or line of credit or anything at all, you do want to make sure you have the best credit score possible just so that you can get the lowest rates possible currently available in the market. All right. So thanks as well for Borowell for supporting the show. And now let's get into the episode. Before we start talking about the federal benefits, which is probably what you've been hearing the most about, it's what's been getting a lot of coverage on the news. One quick tip that I have for you and that I would really encourage you to do is go on your provincial site as well. So for example, if you're in Ontario, you can just Google Ontario government and go on the site there. And what you may find is that there are certain benefits, certain financing that you may be able to get, certain basically free money you may be able to get from the government uh, to help you for your specific province. And so just to give you a real-life example, in Ontario, if you have kids, you can get an extra $200 per child to help with things like homeschooling, which you're not pretty much forced to do now since schools are closed down, and to help offset some of the uh, expenses that you are pretty much incurring now because you're essentially running a daycare for your kids. If, if you know normally they're at daycare and now they're not. So this is just a quick example, and I just wanted to let you know about that and encourage you to check that out because it may help cushion the blow a little bit and, and help you a bit during these times where COVID-19 may have had a really significant and negative impact on your life. All right, so let's start off talking about the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, so the CERB. This is the one you've probably heard a lot about already on the news. There are some parts of it that I find it can be misunderstood, and so what I wanted to do is provide some information on that and also provide a little bit of insights as to how it may apply to your specific situation. So I, I didn't want to just read what it says on the site, but actually give you some analysis as well. So just to give you some background on it, it's basically financial support to employed and self employed Canadians who are directly affected by COVID-19. So this is not something that's for everyone. You actually have to have been impacted by COVID-19 in terms of your income. It provides a payment of $2,000 for a four-week period, which is the same as $500 a week for up to 16 weeks. And after you apply, they say you should get your payment in about three business days if you signed up for direct deposit. I definitely recommend the direct deposit route as opposed to check as then there's massive delays on that front. And the part that I think can be confusing, and I had to look into this a bit more as well, just because there's all these different sources of information, and it's it's you know it can be a little bit difficult when some of the stuff seems to conflict with what you heard somewhere else. So the the main thing to keep in mind here is that you can apply for the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, so the CERB, through either the Canada Revenue Agency, so the CRA, or Service Canada. You cannot do both. And what's been happening is some people have been applying for both. So for example, they might have applied for EI uh, through Service Canada, so employment insurance through Service Canada because they lost their jobs. And then they found, they heard about the CERB and then they went on the Canada Revenue Agency and they applied there. And so what's actually happened is some people got the payment twice. There's actually this big banner now on the CRA, uh, on the CRA site saying, hey, you might have, if you received $2,000 twice, so $4,000 total, there's, there's been an issue you would have applied, you must have applied twice, and it sounds like they're basically going to want that money back eventually. So uh, be very, very careful about this. You're applying through either Service Canada or the Canada Revenue Agency. 
And what I found is the way that all these things are worded, it can be confusing to determine should you apply through Service Canada or through the Canada Revenue Agency's website, or does it even matter? And the best way that I found to be able to figure this out is they actually have this it's kind of like a quiz that you do online. It's basically just, it's almost like filling out a quiz. If you've ever done a quiz online, you're just filling out which what situation you are in. And then based on that, it's like an automated way of telling you, okay, you should apply for it through Canada Revenue Agency, or based on your situation, you should apply through Service Canada. And so I have a link that I created for that. So if you go to buildwealthcanada.ca slash C-E-R-B, that's buildwealthcanada.ca slash the letters C-E-R-B, what I did at that link is I made it so that it will automatically take you to that page that's directly on you know the Government of Canada site that has that quiz that I'm talking about. And so I recommend if you're if you're not sure, if you find it's confusing, which it you know, not not your fault. It, you know, it is it, it can be confusing. Uh that is I would say the best way to do it. And that will essentially tell you once you fill in your information very quickly, it'll tell you which way you should apply for the CERB. So I definitely strongly encourage you to do that. A big thing that the government wants you to know too is that if you have recently applied for employment insurance, so EI, whether it's the regular employment insurance or the sickness benefits, they are saying do not reapply for the CERB. Your application will be automatically assessed to determine if you are eligible. Okay, so that's one important thing to keep in mind. If you don't follow those instructions, then you might end up getting that second payment, let's say, and then there's going to be issues in terms of giving it back and things like that. So definitely pay attention to that particular rule. One other important thing to keep in mind here is that in order to be eligible for this, you can't be generating employment income or self-employment income or provincial or federal benefits related to maternity leave or paternity leave. And so this is actually a pretty important rule. Because if, for example, you have a side business, like I have the podcast, for example, of the Canadian Financial Summit, because of that, I'm not eligible for that. So I sporadically get some income, whether it's you know from a sponsor or affiliates or whatever the case may be, or or the, the investing course I have, for example, right? So revenue comes in from all those different things, and it's not some gigantic amount, but it's something. And so technically, according to these definitions by the government, that counts as income. And so I am still earning an income. Therefore, I haven't completely lost my income because of COVID-19. And therefore, I am not eligible. And so this is something that I think could definitely apply to you. If you do have a side hustle, maybe you're retired and you're generating some income on the side. It's not a lot, you know, it's definitely not a full-time salary, but it's something. Well, according to these definitions, that would actually make you not eligible for this. Okay, so that's something that's important to keep in mind. Another important thing to consider is that in one of the conditions of receiving this is that you must have earned a minimum of $5,000 of income in the last 12 months or in 2019 from one or more of the following sources. So either through employment income, self-employment income, or provincial or federal benefits related to maternity or paternity leave. Okay, and so this is actually pretty uh, significant, I find, because if you're retired, like for example, in my case, my wife is now fully retired. She doesn't earn any sort of income in a traditional sense, no employment income, but she does earn investment income. And if you are retired, that is something that may may apply to you if, you, if you're 
you know, maybe you're the only one generating income and your spouse is not. So in our case, just to give you a real life example, she earns over $5,000 in income a year just through dividends and interest through our investment portfolio. And so initially when I read this, I thought, oh, great. $5,000 is kind of the cutoff of income that you need. So we would actually be eligible for this. But no, we're not because the $5,000 of income must be, in order to be eligible for this, must be generated through some kind of employment income or self-employment income or through the federal benefits to, you know, from maternity or paternity leave. Uh, so that's one thing that's um, unfortunate, I, I would say, for anybody that is in that situation. The other important restrictions you have to be aware of is that you can't have quit your job voluntarily. So that can definitely be significant for some people. You have to reside in Canada. You have to be 15 years old or more when you applied. And they said that if your situation continues, you can reapply for the CERB for multiple four-week periods up to a maximum of 16 weeks. So if you are eligible for this, great. I mean, it's a wonderful income infusion, so you can actually pay for a lot of your day-to-day expenses. But if you are receiving this benefit, it definitely appears that they've designed it in such a way where you know they really tried hard to think this through so that it really goes to the people who have been severely impacted by COVID-19. For someone like myself, yeah, it would be great to receive these benefits, but you know we're not in this difficult, horrible situation like some people where they've lost their jobs, they have kids to support, they have zero income coming in, and they really, really need their help. So I think, I mean, it, it is pretty impressive how they, they really have thought this through, uh, especially over such a short period of time. And they are really trying hard, it looks like, to support the people that really, really need the money. So, uh, So definitely that's great to hear. Obviously, some are going to have criticism of the program. Fair enough, but I'm glad they're you know they are doing something. And the second last thing I'll mention about this is that it, one of the rules that they have is that if you start working again after you get a CERB payment, so let's say you got laid off, you weren't working, but then something changed and now you're able to work again. And then you stop working again because things can obviously be pretty volatile, like you get laid off or rehired and then it goes back. Well, in those cases, you need to reapply for the CERB. And when you apply or reapply, rather, you must confirm that for at least 14 days in a row during the period you are applying for that you won't receive any employment income or self-employment income or those maternity paternity benefits that I've already talked about. So that's another sort of caveat that you have with that. And then two final notes I would say is that one, you don't need a medical certificate anymore uh, that normally you would have to have that for EI. Uh, but now they've, they've changed, they've relaxed that essentially so that you don't need that for claims beginning March 15th, 2020 or later. So that could be helpful for you for sure. Uh, obviously, it can be difficult to to see a doctor right now you know, if, for other cases like this. So uh, glad they have that in place. And also they advise that or suggest that you apply as soon as possible after you stop working. Don't wait for your record of employment or anything like that because you, you want to get those gears in motion. You want to get that income as soon as possible to help pay for some of your expenses. And one other thing that I found really interesting is how they define that you had to stop working because of COVID-19. And so initially, when you when you hear that, it might sound like, oh, well, if you got laid off because of COVID-19, then you get these benefits. But there's it actually, there's other circumstances that can allow you to get this. Um, and so here, I'm just going to read them off. This is exactly how it was worded on their site. So of course, if you have been let go from your job or your hours have been reduced to zero, then that would constitute as you had to stop working because of COVID-19. But also, if you are in quarantine or sick due to COVID-19, then that means you would qualify, you would fit that requirement as well. Or if you are away from work to take care of others because they are in quarantine or sick due to COVID-19, and or if you are away from work 
to take care of children or other dependents whose care facility is closed due to COVID-19. So that, I thought, was pretty interesting, right? Because initially it might sound like, okay, only if you've been let go because of COVID-19 could you possibly get this. But actually, no, there are these other circumstances like you actually have COVID-19 or you're taking care of someone that has it or you're basically forced to not work because you have children to take care of because they the schools are closed down and the daycares are closed down. Uh, so this, I think, is nice that they have this to give people some extra flexibility so that those that do need these benefits it's actually get them. Okay, so that's all that I'm going to say for now about the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. Definitely go, you can go on the CRA website, just if you, even if you just Google Canada Revenue Agency, you click there, you're going to probably see it right at the very top. They're going to have a link to the CERB where you can find more information about it, how to apply, all of that. So definitely you know, go there for the most up-to-date information. But I hope that this sort of synopsis of it and brief analysis of it will help you figure out relatively quickly whether you are eligible or not. The other thing that has come about because of all this COVID-19 is when taxes are due. And so they have extended when taxes are due, which is really nice considering all the stress people are going through right now. So the for individuals, the filing date for the 2019 tax year has been extended to June 1st, 2020. And this is as of April 15th, 2020. This is when I'm recording this episode. So definitely you can go on a Canada Revenue Agency website and you can go there for the latest updates that they have, but that's what it is right now. So you don't need to be stressed about submitting your taxes by the end of this month. And the payment date for if you do actually owe taxes, the payment date for the 2019 tax year has been changed to September 1st, 2020. So that definitely gives us a lot of extra time to make sure we have enough money to actually pay any taxes that we may be owing. And if you're self-employed, then the filing date for the 2019 tax year is June 15th. Uh, That's been unchanged. And the payment date for 2019 is September 1st, 2020. So that also has been extended. Uh, So yeah, definitely really happy to hear about that. There's so much going on now. I know I'm definitely spending a lot more time, you know, dealing with the kids, being, you know, home all the time and, and all that. So it's nice not to have to worry about getting all the taxes taken care of ASAP. And if you have a business, they are allowing all businesses to defer until after August 31st, 2020, the payment of any income tax amounts that become owing on or after March 18th and before September 2020. So this applies to tax balances due as well as installments. And so that's just, if you have a business, that's something that you may want to check as well. Keep up to date on that, but you've been given a bit of help in that regard as well. And they're also allowing businesses, including self-employed individuals, to defer until June 30th the payments of any GST HST and any GST HST payments that become owing from March 27th until the end of May can be deferred until the end of June. So I know those don't necessarily apply to everyone. This is more for business owners, but it is something to keep in mind as you're probably really stressed already with all of this uh, happening and then running your business. And so the the government has provided some relief for that. They also have the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy, which provides a 75% wage subsidy to eligible employers for up to 12 weeks. Now, the wage subsidy of 75% sounds amazing and it you know it's easy to get excited about, but there are some very specific conditions that need to be met. So it's not as uh, easy and, and, and good as it sounds once you start sort of peeling back the onion a little bit. So first off, your business does need to see a drop of at least 15% of your revenue in March and 30% for the following month. So that's pretty significant. You have to be able to prove that you did have a 30% drop in revenue uh, because of all this. 
And so I'm not going to focus too much on businesses in this episode, just because if you are running a business, chances are you have a tax accountant that is going to be helping you manage all of this. So just definitely, this is something you may want to bring up to them if it's something you think you may be eligible for, something to look into. But you definitely do want to be careful with how, you want to make sure this is done essentially correctly because the subsidy is very substantial. You do have to be able to show that you did actually incur that drop in revenue. And if they think that you maybe manipulated that in any way, there could be some pretty serious penalties if if you did that. And so you definitely want to make sure you're doing things very much by the book. You want to be doing that with your tax accountant to make sure everything is above board, essentially, so that you don't get into trouble down the road. You don't want to be receiving the subsidy and then you have to give it back plus major penalties, fines, et cetera, because there was some, they they think, oh, maybe you uh, you modified your, or you calculated your revenue in a way that they don't agree with and you're actually not eligible for that subsidy. So things could get pretty bad. So make sure you, Make sure you follow the rules. Uh, there's also a temporary 10% wage subsidy for businesses as well. So once again, you know, talk to your accountant about that and just to make sure that you are doing everything above board and that everything's being recorded properly. One of the other benefits that individuals can expect, so not talking about businesses anymore, but actual people, if you are getting the GST, HST credit, then they are basically going to be doubling that for you. And so if you are getting it, you're going to get that extra payment automatically. You don't need to apply for it or do any sort of special application or anything like that. So if you've gotten it in the past and you're still eligible for it, they're going to be providing it to you automatically. And now for anybody with kids, of course, we have a Canada Child Benefit, the CCB. And so the government has increased the maximum annual CCB payment amounts. And so because of that, the families will receive an extra $300 per child as part of their May payment. And the good news with this one is that if you are already getting the Canada Child Benefit, which you probably are because when you have your kid, basically you end up you know signing up for that, registering them, all of that. If you have a kid, you're probably already getting that you should be anyway this then this extra amount that you're getting here because of COVID-19 you're going to automatically receive this so there's no extra work you have to do to receive this extra $300 per child and one other neat change that they are doing for people that are collecting, they're actually using RIFs, which is Registered Retirement Income Funds. So if you are in retirement and you are using a RIF to fund your retirement, the minimum withdrawals required from RIFs will be reduced by 25% for 2020. And so this is actually really good. So for anybody not familiar with this, when you have an RSP, when you start taking money out of your RSP when you're in retired, typically what you do is you would convert that into a RIF. So it's a special kind of account where you're not putting more money into it, you're just withdrawing from it now to be able to live in retirement. And the one negative thing about using a RIF, though, is that the government forces you to take a certain percentage out every single year, and you're supposed to use that to fund your retirement expenses. And so what the government has done here for people that are using a RIF who are in retirement is they've reduced that amount by 25% that you need to withdraw, uh, that you need that they're forcing you to withdraw. So that can be really good because as you've probably know by now the markets have taken quite the dive they've been recovering nicely lately still not nowhere near you know where they were before this whole thing happened but you know markets are at a low and so they're trying to prevent a situation where basically people are forced to sell off some of their investments at these low prices just because they're forced to do so because of the RIF. Uh, and so I'm really, really happy that they are um, that they have implemented this so that they're not basically forcing seniors, for example, to sell off equities when the equities have dropped, let's say, you know, 20, 30%, depending on what you invested in. So definitely a great thing that they're doing there. 
And there's also been some mortgage support, but I'm going to have Sean talk about that since he is the actual mortgage broker and, you know, he's the expert on that. So I'll have Sean talk about that. And another thing uh, to mention is for students. So student loan repayments will be suspended until September 30th, 2020, according to the government. And they say if you are registered for pre-authorized debit, they will automatically be stopped. So you you basically don't have to do anything, uh, which is wonderful. And if you are making payments by check or other means, you're not required to make payments during this suspension period. So definitely great news for people who are using student loans. They mentioned too that interest will not be charged to borrowers on their student loans from March 30th to September 30th, 2020. And if your loan was issued by Newfoundland, New Brunswick, Ontario, Saskatchewan, or British Columbia, this applies to both the federal and provincial portion of the student loan. But if your loan was issued in PEI, Nova Scotia, Alberta, Manitoba, then you still have to look. And if you're in those provinces, you still have to go and look at the provincial level to see what they are doing there because the rules might be a bit different different. The last program that I'll mention, which is really interesting if you do own a business, it's the Canada Emergency Business Account, so the CEBA. And essentially what they've done is they're allowing businesses to have an interest-free loan of up to $40,000, basically for small businesses and for nonprofits. And if you pay the balance of the loan on or before December 31st, 2022, that will result in a loan forgiveness of 25% up to $10,000. So in other words, you can get a free $10,000 and a really nice $40,000 interest-free loan. This is something that as a business owner, it's very easy to get excited about. Uh, I, I looked into it too, because I mean, why wouldn't you want $40,000 interest-free? And why wouldn't you want $10,000 just you know, just by, by doing this, right? If you get the max amount. But unfortunately, there are some massive conditions that you have to comply with. And so for someone like myself, for instance, I'm, I'm nowhere near eligible for that. And so this is something that it's not it's not as easy as, as one may think. So for one, you do need, in order to qualify, you do need to demonstrate that you paid between $50,000 to $1 million in total payroll in 2019. So if you don't have that, that was that was basically a stopping point for me. I, you know, if you didn't pay between $50,000 to $1 million in payroll in 2019, then you don't qualify for this. Uh, And so that's obviously a really, really big one. The other big condition is that the funds from this loan can only be used by the borrower to pay non-deferrable operating expenses. So for example, things like payroll, rent, utilities, insurance, property tax, schedule debt service, uh, they cannot be used to fund any payments or expenses such as prepayment or refinancing of existing debt or payment of dividends or distributions and increases in management compensation. So, you know, it, they really are, there's actually a lot more restrictions than what I the, the two I just mentioned. But these are things I think when you read those, uh, they, that may stop you from wanting to research this even more because if your payroll isn't between 50000 and a million, then you're, you're not even eligible. And if you, if you want to use this money, but there's such major restrictions on what you can actually use the money for, that this may not be something that you'll be able to really take good advantage of. So just something to definitely keep in mind. One other thing that I would encourage you to do is check back periodically on the CRA website, so the Canada Revenue Agency website. Keep up to date on the news because the government is changing things as they develop. They are modifying things as they get more information and, you know, depending on how things are going. And so you may, for example, not be eligible for the CERB right now, but you may be in the future or they may make some changes to it. So actually, as I'm recording this right now, uh, I just checked on the news and they are already looking to make 
make some changes to CERB where people making up to $1,000 a month will be able to qualify for it. So this is a lot different than what is currently happening where if you basically have to have no income, your income must be gone in order for you to qualify. And now they're saying, okay, maybe we'll make this a bit more lenient where people making up to a thousand a month will be able to qualify. So, you know, I, I checked the government site. It doesn't have that information on there yet. Um, but just keep in mind, because maybe you're listening to this episode a few days after it's been published, maybe a week after it's been published or a month, and things may have changed by then. So definitely, I encourage you to basically get the information right from the horse's mouth, go to the Canada Revenue Agency website and find out all of there if there have been any changes. All right. Hey guys, just a quick update. I was actually about to publish this episode and then I checked this morning and it looks like they have actually now gone through and made that change where the CERB is now available if you earn $1,000 before tax or less during the eligibility period. So that whole kind of potential change I was just talking about a second ago, I just inserted this audio clip here because they actually have gone ahead now and done it. And if you go on their site, you will see that at the very top. So I definitely want to let you know about that. So that you're not dealing with outdated information. And once again, this is just another reminder to keep checking these things, keep up to date on these things, because as the situation evolves, the government can make changes like this that can really benefit you, okay? So uh, keep informed out there, and, and I hope this helps you. Okay, back to the episode. All right, so we've talked about how the government can help you and the different benefits and things that you can receive but is there anything that you can do to help? And so that's one of the things I've been wondering, you know, we're told to stay at home and, you know, social distancing and all of that. And okay, I'm glad we're contributing in that way, but I wish there was another way to to help uh, here in Canada. And so what I found just through doing some research is there's actually a page on the Government of Canada website where they talk about different ways that you can contribute. It's things that you can do just by, you know, at home. <laughs> so you don't have to leave, you don't have to put yourself at risk, but it's a way that you can volunteer and you can help with this particular situation. And so the, the link to get that webpage where they basically summarize all the different ways that you can help, uh, it's kind of buried and, and hard to get to and the link is really, really long. I wish they made it a bit easier. Uh, so what I did is I created a special link where when you go there, it will automatically redirect you to that Government of Canada link so you can see all the different ways that you can help. And so that link is build wealth Canada dot ca slash help so buildwealthcanada.ca slash help when you go on that link it will automatically forward you to the government of canada website the the page that i found where they list all these different ways that you can help so you know if, if you're feeling maybe a bit you know helpless or feeling like you should be doing more you know if, if you have all this extra time let's say some of us don't but some of us have a lot more time now and, and you want to be able to contribute in some way this is i think a really really good starting point and it might give you some ideas in terms of what you can do so uh, definitely I'm, gra- I'm glad they put that page uh, together hey guys just wanted to do a quick intermission to let you know about a new free guide that i created on the top personal finance and investing tools available to canadians now these are tools and sites that i've personally used to help us achieve financial dependence so that we could quit our jobs in our early 30s and they're also the tools and resources that i use now to optimize and manage our finances and ensure that we're paying the lowest fees while getting solid returns on our investments and really just to make sure that we don't have to go back and, and get regular jobs anymore so i'm giving this guide away for free to all bullet Canada listeners they've helped me out a lot i think they're going to help you out a lot as well so all you have to do is go to build wealth canada .ca and enter your email at the top of the page so that I know where to send it. And that's it. And this will also add you to 
the Build Wealth Canada newsletter where you'll be informed of new free guides as they get released, as well as any giveaways that I have on the show. So as you, if you're a long-time listener, you know that oftentimes you know, we'll have authors on the show who have written books around investing, personal finance, and so oftentimes I do giveaways of those books. So this is just a way for you to be informed and win some free signed copies for free. And it's also the best way to ask questions that you want answered on future episodes of the show and suggest what future guides you'd like me to build for you and the community as well. So enjoy the guide. I'm here if you have any questions and you can get all that by signing up for free over on the front page at buildwealthcanada.ca. All right, so enjoy and now back to the show. Okay, so that's it in terms of the different benefits and things that you could do. Let's now shift the focus over to mortgages and the real estate market. That may apply to you very much so, especially if you have a mortgage coming up for renewal, if you're thinking of buying or selling, if you're wondering what to do now because you were going to buy a house or sell a house, but with the social distancing or with people in quarantine, that obviously changes things. What can you do? What can't you do? You know, I wanted to have Sean Cooper on the show to talk about some of these things. We had a, a webinar that we put on where we had a lot of Q&A, things like that. And so this is another way, if you weren't able to get to the webinar, this is another way where you can get some of these questions answered that you probably have. And if there are specific questions that you do want answered uh, privately and that are specific to your situation, uh, Sean has volunteered to do the free consultations to Build Wealth Canada listeners. So if you want to uh, have a free chat with him to get your questions answered about anything mortgage-related uh, or maybe you have some realistic questions you're thinking of buying, selling, a home or renewing your mortgage. Uh, so you can do that for free with him using the special link that we set up over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. So just S-E-A-N. So buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. All right, Sean, welcome back to the show. Hi, Cornell. It's great to chat with you again today. So Sean, a lot has been happening. We've heard of the Bank of Canada drastically lowering interest rates multiple times at this point over a really short period of time, relatively speaking. Yet, despite this, you've actually seen mortgage rates increase. What's really happening here? Yes, great observation, Cornell. So what's been happening, let's start with the variable rate side. So in terms of the pricing of variable rate mortgages, they're influenced by what the Bank of Canada is doing with the interest rate that you're always hearing about in the news. So the Bank of Canada, as mentioned, cut interest rates three times in March, which is quite aggressive. They cut it one time on the scheduled announcement date, and then we got two emergency cuts. And just as a result of the, I guess, deteriorating system situation with uh, coronavirus, which uh, as well as the Federal Reserve in the U.S., uh, which is uh, the U.S. counterpart of the Bank of Canada. They were cutting rates as well. So the Bank of Canada was kind of matching with what, what the Federal Reserve was doing. So um, in terms of variable rate, um, the if you have a variable rate mortgage right now, you've definitely been seeing your rate dropping a lot, uh, as well as People who are looking to purchase a property right now, uh, the variable rate is now lower than fixed rate, whereas about a month ago or so, the fixed rate was actually lower than the variable rate. So we've kind of seen it gone back to historic norms. And uh, speaking to your point about rates, mortgage rates going up, so the variable rate has been going down, but the fixed rate has been going up now. A lot of people, that when you say that to the average person, doesn't make a lot of sense, especially with what's going on. But a couple of things are at play. The first thing that's at play 
is that lenders are concerned about the credit of Canadians because of coronavirus and how it's affected the stability of some of uh, some Canadians' job situations. So that's one reason, as well as there's less liquidity in the market, which uh, liquidity refers to how easily and cheaply banks can raise capital or money. So um, there's less liquidity in the market. So the credit concerns, as well as the liquidity, that's uh, uh, led to the fixed rates going up compared to a month ago. Now, I'm not talking about like fixed rates going up one or two percent. Maybe they've gone up at lenders like 0.5 or 0.6 percent. The rates are still, by historic standards, a really good deal, but uh, they've just gone up a bit from near historic lows um, at the beginning of March. So that's kind of what's been going on over the last uh, month or so since uh, we've kind of had like the lockdown in in terms of coronavirus and uh, um, yeah, with coronavirus kind of changing our way of life, uh, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And can you talk a little bit more about really what you're seeing happening with the fixed rates versus the variable mortgage rates? A lot of people are debating, you know, do I go with fixed? Do I go with the variable? Should I switch from one to the other? You know, they may be getting reached out by their bank saying, hey, maybe you should lock in, things like that. You know, what's what's can you give us a bit of an update? What's happening there? And what's a good thought process to go through when you're getting when you're debating these different options sure so i mean uh, as mentioned uh variable is now uh cheaper than fixed rate and most lenders pretty much all lenders across the board whereas about a month ago or so fixed rate was the available uh lower than variable rate at most lenders so there's kind of been a bit of uh switching of places back to the way it's normally been so i i would say you know, certainly the pricing of the mortgage rate is one uh, determining factor when selecting fixed versus variable, but there are other things to be concerned about as well. Like right now, variable is lower than fixed, but if you're a first-time home buyer and you just want that stability of knowing exactly what your mortgage payment is going to be, then there's certainly a case to go with the fixed rate because with the variable rate, uh, depending on the lender that you're with, uh, variable rate may be low right now, but once the economy is uh, gets back to normal, uh, Bank of Canada is going to want to start raising rates. So even though you would be benefiting from a, a really low rate right now, if the Bank of Canada starts raising interest rates in one or two years or whenever they do it, then you could see your mortgage payment go up. So if you kind of end up buying a property at the maximum amount that you can afford, and uh, on top of that, you have to deal with rising mortgage payments that can kind of cause financial stress and be an area of concern. So uh, even though fixed rate is higher than variable right now, if you're looking for that stability of knowing exactly what your rate and payment is going to be, then fixed rate can make sense. Whereas some clients are, are more than happy to kind of take that uh, roll of the dice with variable rates. And because the Bank of Canada is more than likely not going to start raising rates for another year or two once the economy uh, is a better situation. Uh, so some clients are taking variable and then they're, I guess, going to be sticking with that for the foreseeable future. And if rates start to go up, then they'll consider locking in. So it really depends on your risk tolerance and uh, how comfortable you are with the uh, fact that mortgage rates could change and some other factors as well. So those are kind of the conversations that I'm having with clients in terms of fixed versus variable. There's not really a one-size-fits-all answer, uh, but those are at least a couple things to consider if you're debating between one or the other. Mm-hmm. If someone's really interested in variable, that you know they like these lower rates, 
But like you said, you know, right now the rates are so low. However, once things change, you know, the rates have, you know, are likely to go up. What sort of a, let's call it a cushion, would you recommend people use when they're crunching their numbers? So for example, they know they can get a certain variable rate mortgage now at a certain rate, but they probably want to stress test a little bit to say, okay, if rates go up by X percent, am I still going to be comfortable making these mortgage payments? Or is that now taking too much cash flow out of our bank account every single month? And maybe we shouldn't do that, right? So is, is there a certain maybe percentage that you like to use to say, okay, no matter what the rates are now, let's just pretend that they are X higher you know, and then just to see, okay, when they're X higher, what are your monthly payments going to be now? And are you comfortable with that? Do you feel you could do that? Do you have some sort of a rule that you like to suggest clients go with when it comes to that? Well, great question, Cornell. And the mortgage stress test actually does that already for us. So the uh, with the rules that the government uh, put in in terms of this stress test, uh, just to make things simple, uh, let's just say it's uh, plus 2% your current mortgage rate that you're stress tested at or the benchmark rate, which uh, whatever is, is greater, uh, which is currently at 5.04%. So if somebody's taking variable rate, uh, like I said, five years is a long time and a lot can happen in terms of interest rates. Uh, basically, what, when a client is considering that option, uh, I, I let them know, I guess, in a like worst case scenario in terms of rates were to go up a lot in that uh, amount of time, uh, I can let them know what the payment would be using the stress test rate because that's the whole idea of the stress test it's uh like kind of a worst case scenario kind of a financial cushion to make sure that you can afford those payments so i can let the client know what the payment would look at if mortgage rates were two percent higher and you know even though they're not going to be that at that level when they initially take out the mortgage at least if interest rates do end up going up uh, more than expected over a five-year time, uh, they can be prepared to handle that. Uh, so that's one way as well as some people can choose to pay their mortgages if rates are higher already. And that's one of the tips that I provide in my book, Earn Your Mortgage. Uh, pay your mortgages if rates are already higher. So you don't have to pay your mortgages if rates are 2% higher, but uh, you could pay it as if they're 1% higher and pay that higher mortgage payments through the prepayment privileges. And that way, if and when higher rates do arrive, you'll already be used to paying that higher amount from a cash flow perspective. So those are a couple ways you can prepare yourself for higher rates if they arrive. Mm-hmm. With those t- uh, stress test rules that are, are already in place, do you agree with them or do you think they're they're good numbers to use or do you think you know maybe we should be more aggressive or conservative how do you feel about them i mean i think plus two percent your current mortgage rate is uh a reasonable amount to to use Uh, i mean i don't want to go off and talk about whether i agree with the stress test or not i mean i think certainly a stress test is a very prudent thing to have in place plus two percent seems like in, in today's current environment and with with what's been going on over the last several years since the financial crisis plus two percent just seems like too high in my opinion i've heard talk that the new norm in terms of interest rates was kind of around where we were pre-coronavirus like at at that level i don't even know if rates will go up as high as they were previously so plus two percent seems like a bit too high in my opinion uh but you know a few people would have predicted what happened with 
the current coronavirus situation. So if you want to be ultra conservative, then I think plus 2% is good. But uh, yeah, you know, depends on your risk tolerance. Maybe you can just do like mortgage payments at 1% higher or 1.5% higher. But if you're, like I said, ultra conservative, then you can use the plus percent, which is essentially the rules in place in terms of the mortgage stress test. I would say that's a good thing to use. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's hard to almost wrap your head around like the rate being 2% higher, right? Because we're not used to seeing anything near that, right? When it comes to the mm-hmm. increases. So uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, is there anything that we should be aware of or anybody should be aware of if they're looking for a new mortgage or looking to renew their mortgage, you know, using these latest rates and taking into account what's happening right now with uh, COVID-19? Yes. Yeah, so great question. So if you're out looking to purchase a property with all the clients that I speak to, I just ask them about their current employment situation and how it has been affected or not affected by COVID-19 because lenders right now are being ultra conservative pre-COVID-19, they would perhaps be a bit more lenient in terms of granting exceptions for people. And by exceptions, I mean, perhaps you're uh, on contract at your work and normally the lender wouldn't consider all or any of your income, but you might be able to get an exception to get that income included. But nowadays, lenders are being more strict and and they just are kind of being by the books, uh, so to speak. So that's kind of what we've uh, been seeing, but certainly if you're uh, a new home buyer, I would say make sure that you're confident in your employment situation because you wouldn't want to find yourself in the unfortunate situation of when you make an offer on a property and it gets accepted. And then let's say your closing is in 90 days and then you get laid off in between. If that happens, then their lenders are sometimes treating it on a case by case basis. Uh, It depends on if your mortgage is insured by like with mortgage insurance or not. There are different rules and you can speak with somebody like myself who can help kind of explain that in further detail. But uh, yeah, I would just say anyone considering buying a house right now, just make sure that your employment situation is stable because if you end up getting laid off in the middle of the mortgage process, it just complicates matters and adds a bunch of stress, which you don't need because Certainly, you know, by signing like a, a purchase agreement, that's a legal contract. And I'm not a real estate lawyer myself, but my understanding is if you get laid off due to coronavirus, that's not really an excuse not to close on the property. Perhaps the seller might be understanding and give you some sort of an extension, but it could just be a stressful situation. So I would just make sure that your employment situation is stable. And for those looking to renew their mortgage and shop around. I mean, it's similar, nothing like not a lot has really changed. uh, It's just a good idea to reach out to a mortgage broker like myself, uh, give it plenty of times. I would say three to four months in advance, speak to uh, a mortgage broker uh, other than waiting until the 11th hour. And that way there's enough time to have the discussion and enough time if, you know, if you decide to move to another lender to go ahead and do that, because typically the process takes about a month's time. Uh, but with COVID-19, uh, things are just taking a bit longer. So certainly don't wait until two weeks before your mortgage comes up for renewal. It's a good idea to, um, if possible, speak to a mortgage broker three to four months in advance. It's okay if you're reaching out a month in advance, but uh, yeah, 
we can advance, uh, that's kind of not enough time, especially in this current scenario. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and as tempting as it may be to just go with your existing provider because they already have your paperwork and your signatures and all that. Mortgages don't renew that often, right? So you do want to shop around for sure. Uh, have a mortgage exactly. broker there to shop around for you, especially now with with all these rate cuts and with COVID and just, I mean, there's so much has happened in Canada and in the mortgage space that I definitely would highly suggest not to just take the the easy way out and just say, oh, let's just renew with the existing provider because, I mean, you could be leaving so much money on the table if you do it wrong. You may be able to get better terms, right? And and, and better rates as well. Exactly. I mean, an analogy I use is that Canadians spend hours upon hours planning vacations, but in terms of our mortgages, some of us just, I've heard statistics say something like one in four people just sign on the dotted line without speaking to anyone and making an effort to shop around. And certainly, you know, we enjoy our vacations, but that's like small potatoes. That's nothing compared to the amount of money that you could save in terms of a mortgage. So I certainly think it's worth the effort of, uh, and it's not really any effort at all uh, in terms of speaking with a mortgage broker, but I definitely think it's worth a few minutes of your time to potentially save yourself hundreds or thousands of dollars, in, in my opinion. For sure. And I think it's worth mentioning in case somebody's new to all this, with mortgage brokers like Sean, for example, you don't have to actually pay them money to have them shop around for you. They you get compensated if you do actually get a mortgage with them, right? And so it's not like you have to pay them all this money, thousands of dollars to hopefully get a better end of mortgage. It doesn't work that way. They basically only get compensated if they actually did find you a better mortgage that you agree to. Um, so that that's something I think that's worth um, that's worth mentioning as well. Great, so, great point. Yeah, so I mean, there's really no reason to not shop around, especially when someone <laughs> says, well, look, I'll do it for you and there's no obligation. You don't have to go with me if I can't find you something better. Um, so to, to me, I mean, like I said before, I've always used a mortgage broker because it's, it's a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. Sean, let's talk a bit about uh, mortgage deferrals. So with COVID-19, we've been hearing about some of that on the news uh, about people, you know, maybe someone got laid off. They're concerned about being able to pay their mortgage. They're wondering about, is there some sort of thing in place where they can maybe delay it for a few months? Or, you know, can you speak to that a little bit in terms of what people should know? Yes. uh, So great point. Certainly, some industries have been affected more by COVID-19 than others. For example, like the airline industry and hospitality industry have been hit especially hard by COVID-19. Small business owners as well. I mean, depending on what industry you are, you can, some industries are able, you're able to work from home perfectly fine. But certainly if you're in a situation where your income has been reduced or you're not able to work at all during COVID-19, there are are uh, there are options out there? So what the big banks, as well as other lend- mortgage lenders out there, are offering right now is the possibility to defer your mortgage payments for up to six months. Now, what does that mean exactly? Uh, so deferring your payments basically means not making any mortgage payments for six months. Now, I just want to explain what this means exactly. There's some misunderstanding out there. At the end of the six months, you don't have to pay all the six months that you defer all at once as a lump sum. That would be not affordable for the average Canadian. But what it does offer you deferring your mortgage is cash flow relief. So you don't have to make mortgage payments for six months. And at the end of the six months, when you're hopefully back on your feet financially and you have your 
job back and hopefully things are back to normal. Uh, basically, the interest is added on top of your mortgage balance and your mortgage payments increase uh, slightly to account for the six months of deferred payments. So I'm just kind of pulling numbers out of my head, but just to kind of illustrate an example, let's say your mortgage payments were $2,000 a month and you decided to defer them for six months. Uh, Again, it depends on factors like what your mortgage rate is, the amortization period, stuff of that nature, but just makes things uh, easy. Um, I'm just, again, pulling numbers out of my head, but let's say you deferred the $2,000 a month payment for six months. When your payments start up in six months to account for the extra interest, maybe your new payment might be something like $2,100 a month instead of $2,000 a month. So just wanted to be clear, the, the bank's as far as I know, banks aren't going to ask you for like six months worth of payments all at once. That would be difficult to pay all that at once, but your mortgage payment is going to increase slightly. And some people, I would say, you know, don't defer your mortgage payments if you don't need to. Like if you're receiving the one of the benefits that the government has uh, set up um, in terms of people who've been laid off related to COVID-19, if you can use that money to pay your mortgage, then I would say to do that. But if you're in a really tough situation where you don't qualify for any of those benefits and you don't have any emergency savings, then deferring your mortgage payments is a prudent thing to do because certainly you don't want to start missing mortgage payments and have like a power of sale or foreclosure against you. And you don't want to have those. uh, On top of that, you don't want to have those blemishes on your credit report of missed mortgage payments and late mortgage payments, those that will definitely make it a lot harder to get any credit in the future in terms of a mortgage or car loan or anything else. So, um, you know, I would say if you have emergency savings or the benefits from the government, then um, if you can use those and that's enough for you to get by, great. But if you're kind of in a tough situation, then, you know, it would be a good idea sooner rather than later to uh, reach out to your lender and, and speak with them about deferring your payments. And yeah, like mortgage brokers like myself, there are products out there that might be able to help you as well. So, you know, it might be a good idea to have a conversation with a mortgage broker as well. But that yeah, that kind of in a nutshell is what the deferring of mortgage payments is. Okay, great. And can you tell us to what's happening in the real estate market right now? Are things pretty much at a standstill because everyone is staying home? And are there any opportunities or threats that we should be aware of? Great question. So uh, just full disclaimer, I'm not a realtor myself, but from speaking with my realtor partners, what's been going on right now is obviously things have slowed down because there aren't open houses anymore. And uh, people, Canadians are just trying to listen to the government and only go out when it's absolutely necessary. So I have helped out like some clients buy properties right now that are, I guess, invaded buyers like they like to buy a property now and their employment situation is uh, stable. But I would say by and large, the market step, this definitely isn't a typical ring real estate market, but I mean, it, the, the real estate market hasn't fallen off a cliff either. Just from looking at the stats in terms of Toronto and its example, I know that the podcast is all across Canada, but just looking at Toronto, the first two weeks of March were pretty busy, but then the last two weeks of, of March sales were down. 15% year over year, uh, which 
one five percent, not fifty percent. So the sales haven't fallen off a cliff. I would think, you know, with if COVID nineteen, if, if things continue to be locked down for the foreseeable future, I definitely think the home sales would go down even more. But uh, you know, certainly if you're somebody that uh, has a stable financial situation and uh, you want to buy a property sooner rather than later, you can kind of be selective with the properties that you see. Like if you really like a listing, perhaps you can see it in person, but there are other ways to see properties as well, like uh, virtually. Um, you can see videos, and uh, of course, if you see properties, make sure to take the proper precautions with social distancing, and your real estate uh, agent should walk you through all of that, but uh, for speaking with realtors, they're really going the extra mile to try to protect their clients, but what's in terms of what's happening in the market right now, I would just say there are fewer buyers as well as fewer sellers like most people aren't selling their property right now if they don't have to because uh it's generally not the best market to be selling your property in right now so perhaps if somebody bought another property and they have to sell right now or you know maybe they are moving to a different city or or whatnot there's a reason for them to be selling those are kind of the motivated sellers right now uh yes i mean if you're open to buying a property right now there can be some good deals to be had out there. I mean, I'm certainly not encouraging you to take advantage of anyone's uh, situation or anything like that, but uh, yeah, there are fewer buyers and fewer sellers. So it's a bit of a wash out there. So, you know, if you were kind of frustrated before with uh, every property you were interested in, you know, some parts of the country are are busier than other, but like if you kept getting into bidding wars before uh, and you're comfortable looking at properties right now, then, you know, uh, they're, there's like typically less buyers out there so you might not run into the same headache with bidding wars uh, but it all comes down to your pers- personal comfort level and of course your health and safety comes first but yeah I mean definitely less activity now than there was uh, a month ago so you know if you're really motivated to buy then certainly now can be a good time to do that mm-hmm. yeah well, that makes total sense yeah just smaller pool of uh of buyers essentially right and people yes. are staying home and like you said the people that are in a position where they really need to get rid of this house because they've already committed to something else there could be some good opportunities there um, yeah that, that makes exactly. that, that makes total sense um so sean um you offer a free consultation to build with canada listeners and for anybody interested that's over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash sean so s-e-a-n what type of questions have you found to be the most beneficial for canadians to have answered just to help listeners brainstorm some good questions to ask you if they are looking to do something mortgage related. Sure. So uh, a couple come to mind. The question that I get quite often is somebody signed up for a mortgage maybe two to three years ago, and um, they have just been hearing about the lower rate, rate, rates available right now. And they just want to know if it is worthwhile to break their mortgage right now with their existing lender and move to a new lender to take advantage of the lower rates. So, you know, I'd be happy to speak with anyone in that situation. And it comes down to crunching numbers and what the penalty would be at your current lender. But, you know, I'm happy to run the numbers with anyone in that situation and see if it would be worthwhile. So that's one situation. Uh, The second one is I touched on it earlier, like uh, anyone that their mortgage is coming up for renewal, it would be a good idea to talk three to four months in advance, um, like sometimes uh, lenders send you early renewal notices, uh, like as early as six months before your renewal date. So I would just say it's a good idea to speak with a broker. And you can certainly uh, 
call me like a month before your renewal date, but things are just taking a bit longer with COVID-19 right now. So I would say the sooner the better um, to reach out to a broker. And again, as you mentioned earlier, there's no cost for using my services. Uh, You have somebody unbiased uh, working on your behalf and I, I don't work with any specific lender. I have access to dozens of lenders. So I just listening to my clients' needs in terms of what they're looking for in terms of a mortgage and then presenting them with two or three different options that's well-suited uh, for the borrower and letting them make an educated decision in terms of what they'd like to move forward with. So uh, that's another uh, situation. And a third one is if you're looking to potentially buy property, certainly worthwhile speaking with a mortgage broker. Um, you want to make sure that your credit, it, there's no issues with your credit because if you made an offer on a property and there was a problem with your credit, then in your time sensitive situation, then it just makes it all that more stressful. Uh, So I would just say that I need to get pre-approved and and by pre-approved, it basically means that just have a look at your credit and uh, run the numbers in advance and let you know your maximum purchase price so you don't make an offer for more than you can reasonably afford. And there are other situations that are worthwhile in terms of speaking with a broker, but those are just three of the top situations that come to mind. Okay, that's great, Sean. Well, thanks so much for coming on and, and thanks for offering your, your services to all the listeners of the show and, and for the free consultations. Hey, my pleasure. I hope everyone stays healthy and safe and uh, take care, everyone. All right, take care, Sean. Bye. All right, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to reach out to our resident mortgage broker and best-selling author to get any of your mortgage questions answered for free over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. Also, don't forget to check your credit score and get your full credit report for free by going to buildwealthcanada.ca slash score, just S-C-O-R-E. It's what I use and is a great way to see your credit score whenever you want to ensure you get the best rates on mortgages and loans and to help ensure that nobody has gained unauthorized access to your accounts through things like identity theft. So that free tool, once again, is over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash score. And don't forget to get your free guide on the top ETFs in Canada where I go into what I invest in and why. And to get that, just sign up for a free savings account with the bank that I use, EQ Bank, where they have one of the highest interest rates that I've been able to find in Canada. And at the time of this recording, they are as much as 40 times higher compared to some of the other major banks out there. Plus, you get unlimited Interact e-transfers, unlimited transactions. It's all free. So to get the free account and my ETF guide, you have to sign up through the special link over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ. That's buildwealthcanada.ca slash the letter E, the letter Q. And then send me any confirmation email that you get from them after opening the account to bonus at buildwealthcanada.ca and I'll email you the entire ETF guide for free. All right, I hope you found all that helpful. Enjoy the bonuses, stay healthy and safe out there and I wish you and your family all the best. All right, take care. Thanks for listening to the Build Wealth Canada podcast at www.buildwealthcanada.ca.